right. We're good to go? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I need to think of how I'm going to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> hello. <laughs> Got nothing. Just say hello, Colt. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Would You Like Franchise With That. It's Jack here with you as always and joining me, it's the plucky young stockbroker who won't take no for an answer, it's Cal. No. (laughs) Buy, sell. (laughs) And he's the high-rolling corporate raider who thinks greed, for lack of a better word, is good. It's Cole. Hey guys. Hey, good one, Cole. Good, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) Hey guys. Oh shit. (laughs) You will nail it one day, Cole, I'm sure. I was thinking, this is the one thing I was thinking about before we started. <laughs> I have got some notes. So. Well, that's good. I'm sure you've got some notes on the 1987 uh, crime drama Wall Street, which is the movie we watched this week. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read my synopsis and then I'm going to give a few thoughts about it before I let you guys say anything because I picked the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Right. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk. You're going to listen. <laughs> you're the real Gordon Gecko of this podcast, aren't yeah, you? What a power move. <laughs> Buy, sell. 14 points on the dollar. <laughs> Are you wearing like a blue shirt and suspenders? <laughs> <laughs> He's pacing through his house with AirPods in. Yeah. Uh, so it's the late 80s and ambitious young stockbroker Bud Fox lives in a world of fast money and chunky computers. Fox dreams of being a player, a big shot, an apex predator in the money markets of New York City. And he takes his inspiration from the power and influence wielded by the wildly successful businessman Gordon Gecko. Fox approaches Gecko to be his mentor and proves his worth by providing insider information regarding the value of the airline his father works for. The tip makes Gecko a bunch of money and Gecko takes a shine to Fox, employing him first as a stock picker, but soon explaining to him that the real way he does business, uh, but soon explains to him the real way he does business through ruthless, unethical and illegal dealings. Gecko entices Fox into the world of corporate espionage, promising wealth and perks beyond his wildest dreams, the first of which is a plate of steak tartare, the world's grossest meal. Gecko sends Fox to spy. It was yeah. so big. It was so much steak tartare. Back when I was eating steak, steak tartare, I actually quite enjoyed it. I love a steak really? tartare, really? but that looked awful. Oh, gross. Yeah, well, it's not. That's anyway. Oh, yeah, that going. one looked pretty bad. <laughs> Gecko sends Fox to spy on a rival businessman, and when his findings give Gecko the upper hand in a stock negotiation and make him a bunch more money, Fox is in deep. He begins to be transformed by his newfound wealth, power, and hideous interior design, and continues to use underhanded tactics <laughs> to make money for himself and Gecko, leaving others in the wake. Meanwhile, Fox's money manipulation has caught the attention of the SEC, who begin investigating him and his friends who have been providing insider information. Eventually, Fox presents the airline his father works for as a possible business opportunity for Gecko, and the pair develop a plan to revamp the airline, modernize it, and turn it into a big player in the airline market with promises of favorable pay and conditions for the workers and ongoing revenue for the owners. However, Fox finds out that Gecko has double-crossed him and plans to break up the airline and plunder the employee's retirement funds for himself. Now that his ruthless and unethical scheming comes to affect him and his family directly, Fox develops a conscience and proceeds to use Gecko's own tactics against him, sending the value of airline stock plummeting and forcing Gecko to sell at a loss, costing him millions. 
When Gecko realizes what has happened, he tips up the SEC about Fox's insider trading crimes and Fox is arrested. But sometime later, Fox gets his own revenge, secretly recording Gecko mentioning his own involvement in insider trading as he punches Fox in a park. And that's Wall Street from 1987. Okay. Uh, so I didn't realize this movie was this bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so I picked this movie. Is that all you've got to say for yourself? <laughs> I I'd seen it before and I forgot that it was this okay. bad. Okay. I I hadn't seen it before, but I've always kind of wanted to see it. And I chose it um I chose it for a few reasons and I've written them down. First reason, Oliver Stone is like a legitimately good director, I thought. I realized I haven't really seen any of his is other he, films, but I, I had maybe, that same question, Callan. Is yeah, he? I was going to ask. Callan. I don't. I I I think I don't rate him. Yeah. I think he's one of those really overrated directors. Yeah, right. Um, like I can't think of anything, and and I haven't seen some of his classics. Mm. I haven't seen Platoon, and I haven't yeah. seen JFK. Yeah, and I haven't seen Born on the Fourth of July. Right, which it are is, like the biggest. They're the main ones, probably ones but i have seen a bunch of his other stuff yeah um and i haven't really liked anything enough for to encourage me right. to continue <laughs> to carry on uh looking through his back character yeah yeah right okay well there was that so so that happened it's also a drama and we usually do like genre films like action or horror or comedy or things like that we haven't done a lot of sort of kind of straight drama or thriller movies so I thought that was a little bit different. Mm, um, Michael Douglas won the Academy Award for Best Actor. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. I liked him in it. Which didn't He's make fine. sense after watching the film, but... Um, I thought there was... He does fine. It's not the acting that's the issue. Yeah. Well, some of it is. Some but... of it is. <laughs> I, thought, um, I thought there was a bit of relevance to kind of, you know, there's... there's um, you know, with what's going on in America, sort of, the, there's a mention mm. in this movie of the 1% and that's kind of come back into the news cycle. So that's, you know, stuff that's being discussed at the moment. And yeah, it's also... Like six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think now no, is still, relatively I topical. It's, I but it's topical now. Yeah, yeah no, money, money is still bad. <laughs> money is still sucks, yeah. <laughs> Greed is bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also... Um, I know, I know. This is this show has become would you like franchise with that, and I've got a feeling we know the answer to that question already. But the second film in the series came out. This one came out in 1987. The second one came out in 2010, and I thought it was interesting that a film, like again, not a genre film, has such a big gap between movies. And I wanted to actually check um, if it was the biggest gap between movies that we'd watched over the course of the podcast. Um, so 23 mm. years between the Ooh. first one and, and, the and the newer one, you got any guesses as to the other longest, longest gaps that we've seen? As in like the longest w- gap. What about Phantasm? That was a big gap. Oh, I didn't look at that one. <laughs> Skip that one. Phantasm 5. Phantasm 5. Yeah. I'm not sure. So it's, it's a gap between like just any two films in a, any, in a any two franchise. Films in the series. What about yeah. Indy and the Jones? No, I meant sorry. We didn't I meant, do that. I meant the so. ones that we've watched. Oh, we've never done that. Uh, yeah. Well, I just assumed we'd done that, but I guess not. 
It's one of the biggest film franchises ever. So just, Fan- Phantasm uh, was 18 years, Cal, between four and five. Uh, okay. So, not, not so was it the biggest one? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, the biggest, well, funnily enough, the biggest one that we've watched, uh, Callan, was Mad Max. Mad Max 3 to Fury Road was 30 oh, years. But, of course. But I'm, wow. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm disqualifying it because we lost the audio of that podcast, so we never actually recorded and released that. Um, but Did second, we not? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good one. Um, but second was the gap between Psycho 1 and Psycho it? 2. Oh, yeah. 23 That's years, true 23 too. years as well. 1960 to 1983. Mm-hmm. Followed by Jumanji. Do you think Mad Max counts? I guess it does count. Because th- mm, it's, it's yeah. kind of a reboot, but also yeah. a... It is a sequel. It is a sequel. Sure, but, and and it it's counts. also like, you know, in terms of a series of a franchise, it's still one of them. Yeah. And it's the same director and everything. Yeah. So I'm going to say it counts. Yeah. Um, 23 years between Psycho 1 and 2. Uh, 22 years between Jumanji and the Jumanji reboot. Uh, 20 years mm-hmm. between Independence Day and Independence Day. And what about Independence Day? Independence Day, Day came out. <laughs> <laughs> And 16, 16 years between Rocky Five and Rocky Six. Uh, one day, the shortest <laughs> franchise gap is <laughs> Independence Day Tuesday. actually came out before Independence Day. <laughs> I'd love to see a box set with Independ- ID4 <laughs> <laughs> Independence Day <laughs> and uh, the sequel, whatever it was mm. called. Um, the sequel was called Independence Day, Day. 2, but T-double-O. T-double-O. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, what about Deep Blue Sea? No, we didn't know. do that we one. Didn't, we didn't do that one, but... The, <laughs> Callan, the first one was like 2000 <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, so that was, I thought, all pretty good reasons to choose a movie. Yeah, I think... Okay, so it's funny because... Like, yeah, the whole thing about money and greed and stuff. And, and I feel like there's so much shit going on right now. I was like super apprehens- apprehensive of watching this because I was like, I think it's going to try and sell me an idea of like, you know, making money and being a hotshot is cool. And I really don't want to buy into that right now. Mm, and yeah. and then I was like, as I was watching, I'm like, oh, <laughs> give, fuck, give it three weeks and I'll definitely be back thing. on that bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it was doing something worse. It was like saying, hey, money is bad, but for really juvenile reasons that aren't the real reasons. <laughs> like, I don't actually understand how money works, so I'm going to make this movie about how bad money is. Mm. But that, it's like, I actually don't have anything to say and I actually just want to make a movie about like cool guys in the 80s <laughs> or in the present day, mm. I guess. But like, I mean, eventually it does sort of show like that greed is ultimately bad and it hits home and stuff. But people aren't going to buy... I don't think people are going to buy that message. I think people look at the first acts or the first more than half of the film and go, that looks pretty sweet. You know, like uh, going around in limos, going to hotshot clubs and... Yeah, painting your house to look like it has brick and marble, <laughs> <laughs> even though it doesn't. I'm I terrifying was, with fucking paintings on the wall. That so that scene, that interior, that whole interior design bit, I think it's I think we're looking at it through the wrong lens. I think that is at the time, I think that was satire. I think that was ridiculous at the time and it was meant to be like look how mm. look how bad, yuppies have bad taste. I don't think it was meant to be look how rich and yeah. great this guy is. His home is amazing. It's mm. 
he no it's one hard to... I guess so. I mean they had that bit where he tried to put down um like a plate of cheese on the coffee yeah. table. Yeah. Thinking it was glass, but half the yeah. coffee table just wasn't there. Yeah, and there's that scene where they're cooking I, and they've got a spaghetti know. machine and a sushi making machine and they have it in the same meal. I I think this movie thinks that it's being satire, but it's just not clever enough to be because it doesn't actually have anything to say. Mm. Um, it's kind of like Bud Fox. His character is like really suave and he's kind of cocky and stuff and people seem to respond to that and like that. And I was thinking, I'm like, is this satire of like we're meant, meant to not like him? But I think... Are we supposed to like him? Yeah, that was my question. Is he supposed to be like... At, in any way charismatic or charming because he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he does fight for what he believes in at the end that, you know, Blue Star, he wants to cha- turn Blue but Star only, around. Only stuff. because, so I think only we are because it like directly him. affects him and his family. Only because it's like, it's turned around on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but at the same time, it's it's everyone, the, the audience I think lives vicariously through him watching him going, Oh wow! Look at all these cool things he's doing. Like, I don't, I don't know if you meant to like him, but you just kind of meant to like the journey he's on, and that's what draws you into the film a little bit. Maybe? Yeah, I guess but... it's a fantasy, like the fantasy of just making ridiculous amounts of money. Mm. But I don't know. There, there were a few things that rubbed me the wrong way about the message of mm. the movie and the way that it was kind of framed. Um, totally. I think I think the main thing was how much they went around making sure that it was very clear that the reason that these guys were getting ahead was because they were doing illegal stuff Mm. um, like insider trading. And it's like, it it kind of felt like the Mm -hmm. argument they were making was like, you know, it's just a couple of bad eggs on wall street Mm. who are doing some shifty business rather than a giant systemic issue uh, and, like a, a problem with the way that we value, um, you know, what what we give value to as a society. Yeah, right. Rather, like it, it just didn't have anything interesting to say. Yeah. Like other, like greed is good was the what it thought. What it thought was a provocative message, and maybe maybe it was like in in the time that it came out because people were in it so much. Mm. And people really believed it more, and there hadn't been the crash, the crashes of the '90s and late 2000s. Maybe that was pr- provocative enough to just come out and say, mm. "Like that's greed is not good." Yeah. but message... that doesn't seem like a compelling. <laughs> like... No, the message up until that point would probably be like, um, you know, work hard. You know, just work as hard as you can. Be the best at whatever job you're doing. And you know you'll be a success, and and to sort of go against that and say greed is good, and and whatever you have to do to get there is good by extension. Um, I think I've I've noticed a bit of a trend, like all, all these YouTube videos and and like short little bite sized videos you see on Facebook and stuff. People always oh, yeah. tell you like you know you're doing things one way, it's like you're doing it wrong, and like everyone has to sort of come out and be like it's maybe this old trick that people use where it's like tell you that doing something the way you're doing it is just wrong gets people interested it's like oh okay like they 
Are you talking about those like entrepreneur YouTube people who are like, yeah, I'm going to show you how to maximize your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that old... I listen to podcasts life. at double time speed while I'm sleeping so that I can be <laughs> maximally efficient at all times. Exactly. So, but like the idea of just work being hard, like working hard and, and, you know, putting in the hours to do work is like, it's such a no-brainer and it's a rule of thumb and it, it, it should be everyone's golden rule that, that does work. But then these things come along and say, you can just cheat your way to the top and people buy that. It's just, yeah, it's really stupid. Um, and that's what this movie sold. I, I think mean, a lot of people because ultimately, yeah. yeah. Ultimately, if this movie had anything interesting to say, it would have been about you can get all of that stuff, and it's actually not as fulfilling. Like the the drive is mm. a sickness, mm. <laughs> and you yeah, get yeah. there, and there's nothing there. Yeah. And I, I think the movie that essentially does this really well and is like if you want to watch a movie about the excess of america and wall street and how toxic of a culture that is it's american psycho like that is a really that is actually a satire that is actually funny and interesting um and has something to say and has naked uh patrick bateman (laughs) wielding a chainsaw so like what more could you you go wrong uh, yes, counterpoint. I think Cal, this movie movies, has a yeah. robot butler in a tuxedo. Yeah. I did see that. I'm like, oh my god, it's the <laughs> robot from Rocky Four. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> so you know, if if greed can get me a robot butler, maybe maybe it's not so bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe Cal, um, what you were saying. Yeah. So uh, what did you? Th- think you were getting yourself into i thought i was i don't really know i don't really know i thought um i I thought maybe it might have been a bit more of like a a stronger um satire or critique of i mean i kind of i think there are problems with the message like you're saying helen but i think you know we're looking at it from a lens of you know it's a 33 year old movie now so maybe at yeah. the time it was it was more of a radical statement that he was making, um, but now that we've kind of you know it it was it was the era when um, people were making millions of dollars on Wall Street and hadn't quite um, grasped the 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 implications of that and like you know ethically and and culturally and as a society and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think maybe I was looking, probably yeah, looking for more of a, a direct satire, but just kind of a better movie mm. all around, like a better, yeah. like a better acted, better, better, better written, script. better scripted. Yeah, better script. Mm. There's a moment I think that um, you guys probably remember. He's like stand, he's on the balcony of his new apartment, which is how this like really disgusting interior design. He's got the girl of his dreams in the bedroom and. And he's on the balcony. He's like, "Who am I?" Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I like, loved so hard. Like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> do you need to say those words? Like, can't like just spend a little bit more time thinking about how you're yeah. gonna. This guy's yeah. That's the moment. He's like got everything he wanted, mm. but is it is that everything? Just material stuff? Like, just and have then, him look out there and look kind of sad. But there's another scene that kind of like accompanies this which i thought was like because it thought the movie thought that it was being so subtle and clever but okay so um daryl hannah his girlfriend Mm. who 
look like I, I don't want to. I don't know. I'm just going to say it. It's just bad. I shouldn't say this, but she just looks so gooby in this movie. I don't know what it was. It's like a haircut or something. She looked like a doofus. Like, like she's supposed to be the most attractive woman in New York, and she's yeah. like, "Who is this dork?" Can I, can I point out just quickly? She was so sharp. And Charlie Sheen was so round and soft. <laughs> like, there's like two. He's just got this round face, round She's, nose. Yeah. And she was like pointy and jagged. Anyway. It was like a knife cutting through an orange. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a marshmallow. Anyway, she was like so, a violet crumble. <laughs> so she comes home um, and he's kind of hit rock bottom, which they show by like, I guess he's drunk and he's like eating a pizza. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Yeah, um, she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Eating like a pizza. It's like he's OD'd you know, on drugs or something. He's <laughs> just like, and he's had like one slice of the pizza and the rest of the pizza is just like kind of spread across the, the house. <laughs> it's just like, oh, anyway, so, they, and they have this conversation. He's basically going to, he's saying, oh, you know, I'm going to give it all away and I'm going to turn against um, Gordon Gecko. And she is like, if you do that, I'm going to leave you. Because I only I'm more interested in money, mm. um, and she says something to him like, "Oh, have you taken have you taken a look in the, like take a look in the mirror?" Um, and then he says, "I did, and I didn't like what I saw." And then she leaves, and before she leaves, she like looks in the mirror, and the mirror is like broken, like he's punched the mirror. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like just made you imagine the scene where he's like looking in the mirror and getting really angry and like punching it and I bet they shot it and they like cut it because I'm like oh that's a bit too on the nose <laughs> but it's it's just like oh my god this movie is like it doesn't earn any of its emotional um, payoffs like mm. the guy starts as kind of a sleazebag and then just instantly becomes a major sleazebag and yeah. I guess you're supposed to be rooting for him, or you're. I don't, maybe you're supposed to not. I don't, I don't really know. I feel like, like maybe it's like supposed to be like looking, like hiding behind, waiting your hands, for the like tower, scared. like scared for. Yeah, him. yeah, waiting for the tower of cars to crumble. Yeah. Um, I kind of, <sighs> to be honest, I thought like the first twenty minutes or so, I kind of liked it. Like, I kind of like the. I guess the style of it. I guess maybe because it was so eighties and hilarious. But up at like when, yeah. he's, when he's like calling every day to try and get the meeting with um, Gordon Gecko and like I didn't find him I didn't find him charming but like I I liked his naivete and like the mm-hmm. and the first scene with his dad I thought was really good in the bar like establishing the difference between them I yeah kind of maybe he needed to be in really well. like maybe he needed a little bit more um, work though like a little bit more time to make him a bit more endearing like that it. I agree. Like I, I kind of like stepping back in time, seeing all the old computers. Like they all have like four or five computers, and they update really slowly. Yeah, um, yeah. But that was fun. It was kind of short lived. I thought that. Um, hmm. um, I'm going to slip in a little recommendation here, just quickly. There's Ooh. like YouTube videos that they have of like the 1980s and and 90s. Um, of New York, it's just like these like someone's gone through these old real oh, yeah. and found just and they've made them HD and you can see all the styles and the technology people on these like massive phones and stuff. Yeah, it's those so are amazing. Cool. It's so cool to just like you literally feel like you're floating through space looking at like a snapshot of you know what everyone was dressed like back then and and mm-hmm. it's it's like they're real just in front of you. It's really cool. 
I do wonder watching those scenes that are set in the the stock market or the um, what would the, I know, stock the exchange. office yeah. where they all have their oh, the yeah. stock exchange, um, like how realistic that is. Like, because you mm. know, if you were to see a movie now set in the stock exchange or whatever, like they'd all have computer generated um, bar graphs, like making like no no computer interface in a movie is ever like actually accurate like i wonder if they were playing it up a bit or if like that is just what it looked like you mean the stock exchange floor or the like the the office where everyone's kind of like no one's sitting in their chairs um correctly either like that everyone's like (laughs) draped on their computers to like make the shots more interesting and they were interesting shots but Mm. uh Did you guys see the big short? Yeah, yes. I did. Yeah, I, th- I can't remember exactly. I think they have like similar, like the modern day equivalent of that, like a stockbroker, um, I don't know, a, a fund manager or something like that. And they they have like multiple screens and stuff, but I don't think mm. it's it's definitely not as messy. Like there's not as much paperwork. Yeah, um, not a, yeah, yeah. I it's mean, all that, paperless these days. But that movie was um, kind of the anti Wall Street, I guess. Um, it was quite it's quite good that one actually. Um, mm. That was a lot more explanatory. Well. Like this one, this one didn't t- teach me anything about Wall Street or how it works. And the Big Short, it was yeah. complicated, well, but, I, the, but I came the out Big Short, it. and it was based on a true story yeah. as mm. well. Um, in fact, there's some fucked up things in that film as well. Like there are people who profited off the global financial crisis <laughs> like the whole idea of shorting is like i'm gonna bet that the stock is gonna go down and it's like well here's money based on that bet it's just <laughs> so bizarre that these mechanisms in- exist even yeah yeah but i mean at least that it kind of had something to say like i think um mm. I'm trying to remember who the writer for the big short is michael lewis is it um, sure. you know, he's written a bunch of, he, he wrote Moneyball. He wrote that one, the fifth risk about, um, uh, the Trump administration, um, basically gutting a, a, a lot of internal departments in America. Um, and I, I think he, the way that he writes is he has a story to tell, like a kind of systems story. Mm. Um, and then he'll find interesting characters to help him, kind of articulate what he's trying to say so Mm -hmm. him finding the people who shorted the financial crisis was just a really interesting way for him to be able to kind of like explain what the whole thing was happening and i think the movie kind of makes it a little bit more of a, a narrative um whereas the book is kind of like you know just uh a a a character study meets a systems story. Yeah, right. Um, mm. I think that's what this movie was really missing was like that systems commentary. No, like, no, I think, I don't what think do so. you have to say about the system? I think, okay, you mean this is like, I think I wasn't, would, don't you think part of it was just like, um, like presenting it, presenting the stock market and kind of taking like, uh, like I, I think you were meant to come away with it not knowing anything about the stock market and just like, like kind of feeling like the whole thing is fake. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it doesn't really yeah. matter how and I mean, it all works. It's just that this guy's figured out 
how to like how to get around the rules. And it's all and it's all just Although chaos. It and it's all seem... people just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true, but I think that I mean, the Big Short kind of has similar um, points to make in in that idea of you know all all these people making all this money and not actually generating anything mm. of real value. Mm. Um, but it but it also has a really sharp commentary on the system that allows this to be the 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 default mode. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but like in, it like, has I think... a position, it has a point of view. But and I think this... Wall Street is going for a more broad appeal, like where it doesn't really, what, like The Big Short was a film that really needed to be made, I think, to explain to people in a like almost an entertaining way what really yeah. happened. I mean, but... Michael Lewis almost is like edutainment. It's like mm. explain a really complex thing to me using interesting characters and in language that's like quite compelling and and fun to read. Like mm. boring, important things made mm. entertaining. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe but when I think at that point for Wall made... Street, it like you go, Cole. Oh, I was going to say maybe at that point Wall Street wasn't as much of a problem, you know, like theoretically. Yeah, and yeah, I guess the bubble hadn't burst yet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That it was all kind of going on in the background, and maybe the general the general consensus was, "Oh, Wall Street's great. Maybe I should think about getting into Wall Street." And this movie was made to be like, actually, you know, it seems great. There's this sheen of like, you know, if you're clever enough and you can time the market and do it, you can do all that. But really the people making money are the ones who are, you know, lying and stealing and cheating and scheming. Speaking of sheens, (laughs) you said the word sheen, Jack. And I was like, "Ah, we haven't mentioned that there is a, Double um, sheens. Couple of sheens in this. Double one. sheen. No it's a double sheen machine. So yeah, it's uh is it um what's his name? Um Sheen Dad? Martin Sheen. Uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, Martin Sheen. Pretty interesting that he plays the dad of Charlie Sheen. Has he done that more than once, apparently? According oh, to yeah. they were in um, were they in Google. Were they in Platoon together? I haven't seen Platoon. I haven't seen Platoon. <clears throat> Maybe, but has he? Th- were they playing father and son? I'm not sure. <laughs> it'd be it'd be a uh, tough bow to draw if you cast Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen in your movie and didn't have them playing father and son. Well, I, I'm not sure that they look that similar. You reckon, reckon they? Uh, okay, they got the same eyes. I'm just looking at the cast. I kept expecting Martin Sheen to like turn around um, to Charlie Sheen and do the "with great power comes great responsibility" talk, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he played Uncle Ben in in one of the Spider Men, yeah, right. Um, like the second reboot of the Spider Man series, and it, it very much had that feeling, like when at the end they're like driving to. It's like the last scene of the movie. Mm. They're driving to court. And it's likely that Bud is going to go to jail for all his insider training. And he's kind of like, maybe it's the best thing for you. And I, I really like expected him to go like, with great power comes great responsibility. Then for him to get the car mugged, get shot. And then for <laughs> Charlie Chain to just like Spider-Man out of there. <laughs> and that's why I'm the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> he gets bitten by radioactive... Stock similar broker. character, wasn't it? A similar personality, I think. Mm. To um, always with Uncle... his hands in his pockets. What's his name? Uh, 
Yeah, Uncle yeah, Ben. Totally. Uncle Ben. Yeah, it definitely has the um, you know previous generation of hard hard working kind of mm. factory. Uh, you know, makes real money the real way that real Americans do. Yeah. Um, Did anyone find that um, that scene where they like they go to Blue Star and it's like all the mechanics working on this like jet, like it's a fucking like Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were like hey what are you doing in here like they're fucking working on a jet and the These way that he just like engineers. waltzes into the airport he does it a couple times and i guess like um you know restrictions were looser back then and maybe you could just do that but it's just like <laughs> on the tarmac hey guys how you doing hey, hey you using that yeah. plane oh forget about it <laughs> yeah there was so i don't know I think there's one character who's like definitely played a mechanic and like he's typecast as a mechanic. I don't know what his name is. John uh, Mechanic. Did, did anyone find it annoying how often he called um, Gordon Gecko Mr. Gecko? I've just got a note here. He's always like, oh, this is a very nice club, Mr. Gecko. And he's like, oh, Mr. Gecko, we took a loss today. And then he starts calling him Gigi at one point. Oh, oh, it's so cringy. <laughs> uh, it's so cringy. The thing that annoyed me was like, so he's been spending like, um, you know, calling Gordon Gecko every day for the last eight months or whatever. Mm. Can't get five minutes on the phone with a guy. Manages to get in there, gets his attention, gives him a good deal. And then suddenly the two of them are like best friends and are hanging out all the time. Isn't Gordon Gecko supposed to be like super busy? How does he have time to play yeah. squash, take him to lunch, have him over at his house, meet his kid. Like, mm. why are these guys best friends already? <laughs> and, and like, what is it that this guy did that was so impressive to him to be like, I'm going to pull you into my inner circle and, you, you know, show you the world. It's just like that that transition from like, you're a nobody uh, and I don't want to hear from you to, you're now my best friend and I love you. <laughs> Let's like play squash together. Well, is it that they're best friends? Isn't, isn't it not that he's like, Gordon Gecko's kind of playing him the whole time? Like he, he gets, they have kind of a I mutual mean, beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship for a while, which he builds up. And then when the airline thing comes along, he sort of stabs him in the back. Um, and, you know, but I think almost steals yeah, all but his money. He, but he he does actually have a, an affection for Bud, I think, as well. Like that's why he's mm-hmm. mad at the end, and he's like, oh, you know, I wanted you to be the next me. Um, yeah, it's it is weird, Callan. I, I agree with you. It's a little bit weird, um, and that's not really that well explained as well. But maybe yeah, there's a little bit of I wanted to use you as a patsy, but at the same time, he does sort of like the the drive, the cut, that, the cut of his jib. He's got. Yeah, he doesn't like the cut of his suit. Go get yourself a nice suit. <laughs> I feel like maybe this movie could have been good if it had, like, imagine if instead of Charlie Sheen, it was like Michael J. Fox, like someone who is charismatic <laughs> yeah, right. and kind of naive, and and has has like just 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 someone that you enjoy watching on screen. <laughs> and Gordon Gecko was played by Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> and they go back in time gotta go back. and try and fuck their mom. Back to the stock market. <laughs> I made great, a bad investment. Great stock. The stock is now, Marty. 
got to go back when the stock was up, Marty. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of um, who could play Gordon Gecko, apparently there was um, Harrison Ford was mm-hmm. f- like first preference. And then there was someone else. I just, I can't remember. I read an article. It was like, <laughs> good story. <laughs> anyway, whatever. It was Harrison Ford, someone else. And, and so two people turned it down. Um, Michael Douglas does it and wins Best Actor. So how would you? I think Michael Douglas is the best thing. Absolutely, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, I I believe him as a total sleazebag. Yeah, Um, and I I believe Charlie Sheen is a sleazebag too, but I just don't think that that's what. (laughs) <laughs> the movie is telling me that he's supposed I've, to be. I've, I kind of wondered while I was watching it and, and it was getting, like, I think it gets progressively worse as the movie goes on, particularly the acting. And I was like, mm. I was wondering if, like, could it have, could it have been deliberate? Like, like the, mm. as Charlie Sheen the becomes melodrama. like a worse and worse person. The, yeah. The melodrama gets more and more cheesy and like ham fisted. No. You don't think so? Am I, I giving you too much credit? No. No way. But like, it's just such yes. a shift. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's just it's hard without shift. like being the context of the time, I think. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, is it satire or is it not? Like, it's hard to... Do you think if Charlie Sheen, like if Martin Sheen wasn't Charlie Sheen's dad, that he would have any kind of career? Like, what is the appeal of Charlie Sheen? He's very random. And I'm not talking about like, the you know tiger blood twitter charlie yeah. sheen i'm talking about like you know back in the day charlie sheen he was pretty yeah, yeah he was pretty soft um <laughs> but he gets emilio estevez i actually he gets quite think, ripped doesn't he you, at some point you know what he? emilio estevez instead of charlie sheen in this movie yeah that yep. i think cuz he's done he's done the the sleaze bag with a heart of gold Mm. In Mighty Ducks, yeah, yeah, he was really good at it. <laughs> Basically, the same movie could have, been, could, have been the same, could have been the same character. Wouldn't that be a shock? It's probably the same cinematic universe. It's like yeah. uh, they're they're brothers in real life. Yeah. Um, is what's the character in Mighty Ducks name? Is it something Fox? <laughs> it's um, it is Coach Bombay. Oh, yeah, Coach Bombay. Coach Bombay. (laughs) Yeah, we should just rewatch The Mighty Ducks. That's a much better movie. (laughs) I'd go back to The Mighty Ducks for sure. That'd be weird, rewatching like a series we've already done. The Mighty Ducks also has a really questionable moral. I remember the first one. Like, it's meant to be all about the team, but then he screws over that kid. You know the kid who's really good at hockey, oh, yeah, that's and true. He, like, and he finds some obscure loophole in the rules, which means this kid has to leave all his friends and come and join the Ducks. Ah, uh, yeah, he's like he's not playing in the right district or something. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like he he should be in our team. Yeah, and, and it, yeah. It, it does do the thing that all the underdog sports movies always do, which is like winning isn't the only thing that's important, but also you actually have to win for the <laughs> like, because otherwise this is not a good movie. Because <laughs> if you don't win, we're going to put you down. <laughs> That'd be a good list of like the top ten movies where the basketball, how, team, not basketball team, but the team loses. What's that? Is that how Airbud ends? We have to win, or we'll put you down. <laughs> oh, <that's fucked. laughs> how many airbuds did you think they um 
harmed in the making of that movie. (laughs) Seven. Mm. Too many. Um, So, what, good, great movie? (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Well, obviously, it, it generated some good conversation, but I don't think I want to watch the next one. Uh, yeah, should we franchise with that? Move on to yeah. Would you like franchise with that, Jack? Would you like franchise with that? Okay, see, so here's the thing, right? Because I you kind of do, don't you? I kind of do because here's why. Because it's such oh, a, no. I think it's such a product of its time. I am interested to see what the 2010 treatment of it is, especially given that yeah, the I've seen the 2010 treatment. Oh yeah. Oh, is there maybe, a, you can, maybe you can save me a couple of hours. Good. <laughs> well, like, okay. It's got um, 2010's Charlie Sheen in it, Sheila Booth. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's not any better. Yeah. In right. fact, it, I think it's worse. Yeah. But if I you think- really, really want to watch it, <laughs> I feel like it'd just be hitting the reset button on everything we've learned theoretically from. It's like, do I have to teach you this lesson again? It would be like the same. It's basically the same story, movie. Yeah. It's basically the same yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, but like, oh, things have changed. Internet. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. I, uh, I Don't quote me on this because it's been a while since I saw the movie, but I think he might even say something along the lines of greed is still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, and, I, and thinking about it now, like even... It was two. I thought it was more recent. In my head, it was like 2015 or something, but it was 2010, and that was 10 years ago. So it might suffer from the same thing of being a product of its time, and we have moved on, like in our understandings of capitalism, etc. Even in the last 10 years. So maybe even if the message was mm-hmm. relevant in 2010, it may not be relevant, and we may have the same complaints about it. There are better, smarter movies about, um, you know, the finance. Yeah, industry and yeah. and Wall Street. Then Wall Street Two, Money Never Sleeps. Yeah, yeah. I think Two Wall Two Street. That um, yeah, like the yeah. Um, back up to wait, Wall Street to the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Wall Street, welcome to the street. So, so Jack, are you saying yes? Uh, no, franchise? I think you've talked me. You've talked me out of it, Cal. I think I'm saying no. <laughs> well, I am wholeheartedly saying no. So I guess it's a move. Yeah, it it's a wholehearted no as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's just leave this. But one. no, like I think it was a good selection. I, I like. Yeah, I'm glad I, didn't I saw enjoy it. it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those movies that I guess you should see just because it it's it's like a classic or, or whatever. <laughs> I guess a lot of those just don't really hold up. I can tell it's how like not a classic or whatever. I like that. I can tell how not genuine you're being, Cal, by how high your voice gets, like step by step. Yeah. I guess you, you should. <laughs> I wouldn't hold it against you for watching Wall Street because, you know, it's part of the zeitgeist. Yeah. But you would or think was. less of me if I watched Wall Street 2, having watched Wall Street 1. Well, I mean, you can do whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not going to go along with that ride. Yep. All right. Leave it. Don't want to watch it. I'm done with Wall Street forever. 
So I guess if we're not having any more franchise with Wall Street, <laughs> Cole, it's it's your turn to choose what franchise we would like with that. Um, I uh, well, it wasn't really my idea, but um, Jack gave us a selection uh, last time, and and one of them was Rambo, which I don't I think the first movie is actually called Rambo. I know how to pick first him. blood, first blood, first blood. Um, Consistently, yeah, I mean, choices I, from Jack. I think I've only ever seen the first one, so um. And yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes, but I mean, I don't, I'm not saying we're we're going to have franchise with that, but I think the first one's quite quite good. I'm so. I love Sylvester Stallone. I actually really, really love Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> He's kind of the Vin Diesel of <laughs> is the Vin whenever Diesel that era of whenever was. that era was. <laughs> That's a fair call. Because Arnie is like the the Rock, I guess, who's like a little bit more serious, whereas like I, yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Is really charismatic. Yeah, he's kind of a bit of a, like a satire on masculinity in, yeah, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, and he's a really talented writer I, and director sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like like so occasionally. He's kind really of like occasionally. <laughs> Do you realize that they're making Fast Nine, like the Fast and Furious? They're going to keep making like, those movies oh. until we all die. I am really surprised that they just didn't keep going with computer-generated Paul Walker. I guess he wasn't the draw card to the the movies, really. It's like no one's going like, if there's no Paul Walker, I'm out. Like, I'm, not, I'm not going anymore. They've got The Rock. They've got Vin Diesel. They've got Jason fucking Statham. They've got Ludacris like, for God's sake. Paul Walker. Is he in the, in them as well? Yeah, Ludacris. Yeah. And what what um what's the other guy's name? Um, Tyrese Gibson. It's pretty hard. I tried to rewatch um. Fast and the Furious, the first one the other day. The first one is not good. <laughs> oh, really? It's not yeah, fast and it's not furious. It's just not like I actually have a bit of a sweet spot for the later Fast mm. and the Furious movies. They're so silly. Yeah. Like, and they're kind of like Transformers level silly, but without as much of a, a horrible Michael Bay kind of tone to it. Yeah. And I think it's all Vin Diesel. I think it is entirely Vin Diesel that makes those movies at all worth the weird, watching. The weird thing is like Tokyo Drift, the third one, which has none of the like the original stars in it. Mm. It's like ne- it's not really like maligned as like, ugh, they went to Tokyo and they did Tokyo Drift. And they drifted. Like it I think it holds up as like the one of the better ones in the series. Not that honestly I'm a connoisseur of these, but <laughs> um I think people like Tokyo Drift as uh I think there's something about just car movies people enjoy. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Big cars go fast. It's good, good genre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Cole, you've but already... But we're not watching we're not Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Maybe we should. We're not doing that. Cole, you've already kind of given us one, but should we explore a few more loosely related? Loosely related. Recommend- recommendations. Yeah. Cole, have you got another one? Or was your was that your uh, uh, a recommendation? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so uh, I I broke not I didn't break any rules, but I had friends over on on the weekend and and we were just sort of ended up watching YouTube videos, which is like a nice thing to do. And they were like, "Oh, you've got to see this this comedian. Um, his name is Joe Perra. Have you guys heard of him? No, no. no. Joe P- 
Pera, as in like P E R A, um, and he's he's uh, he's very unique. He's kind of like a, he looks about twenty five, but he acts as though and he's like dresses as though he's like a grandfather, um, uh-huh. and he's like he's firmly within this character, you know, even though he goes on like a talk show and 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 you know like they do these like little short videos and stuff and. and um, He's just really, really dorky um, and nice. Like watching it is like watching, I don't know, it's very homely. It's like an, an open fire sort of a feel watching this guy. Um, and he does this YouTube video um, called Joe Perra Talks You to Sleep. And it's just him making <laughs> these like wacky observations. And it literally is like you feel as though you're in a trance watching this because he's making observations that only your sleep brain would almost make <laughs> and like it's really really nice it's on it's like an adult swim show um so if you've got that adult swim sort of um you know sense of humor you'll enjoy it i think but yeah um, right yeah check it out and how are you gonna loosely relate it oh shoot um <laughs> oh, no <laughs> um i'll come back to you on that one Okay, I'll help you out. What What about uh, something about going, falling asleep? No, something yeah. about what did you say about being homely, like a fireplace? Yeah, is it homely like a nineteen eighties fake fireplace <laughs> in your East East End badly decorated apartment? <laughs> yes, yes, that's how it's right. There you go. <laughs> well related, Cole. Well Thanks, done. Scott. Uh, Jack? Um, so, I am going to recommend a podcast that I've been listening to recently. Um, this movie is, it's kind of about, um, well, I'll relate it afterwards. The podcast is called Rabbit Hole. Have you guys heard of this? It's a no. It's a New York no. Times podcast and it's eight episodes and it's a really um, interesting kind of, actually, it's kind of like the edutainment thing, like the big short you were talking about, Callan. But it's about, mm. um, it's... It's broadly um, about um, the influence of social media and the way it's designed to work, but how that, how damaging that can be. And they kind of look at it through the lens of someone who was radicalized to the extreme right wing by watching YouTube. And they, they take in the mm. first episode, mm-hmm. they, t- they find this person who has now kind of come around, but they, they obtain his entire YouTube search and watch history over the course of four years or something oh, wow. and kind of re reconstruct. Did, can they see, can they uh, see what would be, was being recommended to him? Cause that's, that's the thing. Well, it's, that's what it's that's about basically the, how the recommendation algorithm works yeah. and how, how dangerous it is. Oh my God. And that it, sounds really interesting. It is super interesting. And it starts, it starts with that. And then it goes into like, um, the, the war between like YouTube, um, and and the mainstream media and they talk you know there's there's a whole section about you know PewDiePie the biggest YouTuber in the world like how the mainstream Mm. media kind of tried to take him down and his response to it it's really interesting and it's definitely worth listening to yeah I get so many PewDiePie recommendations and I never ever watch I've, I've watched like once once every like a few months, maybe and you every... watch you watch them once, and then they never fucking leave you yeah, alone. Like you get served one recommendation for one like of these influencer people, yeah. and suddenly they're just all everywhere. And it's not all even you loosely related. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how is it loosely related? No, your recommendations on YouTube aren't even loosely related. 
but how is your rec- recommendation loosely oh, uh, related? New York Times, New York Wall Times, Street's yeah, New York. New York Times, good one. Um, edutainment, and also it's kind of about like, um, you know, uh, power, society, man, society, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 1%. good. I watch that. Oh my god, I'm getting so many UFC fight recommendations as well because I watched a couple of those. And now I've like yeah. pretty much watched every UFC fight in history. Means <laughs> <laughs> uh, algorithm's working, baby. Stop me. Callan, what do you recommend? Um, okay, I've got a couple. So the first one is a little bit similar to yours. So we talked earlier about Michael Lewis, who wrote um, The Big Short. His debut book, um, it's called Liar's Poker in 1989, uh, was... Uh, essentially a commentary on the why all of these really intelligent people in the 80s were deciding not to become doctors or I don't know what other brain surgeons or rocket scientists or whatever they were like going to Wall Street and he's like an ex-Wall Street guy himself um so he uh did a podcast series last year um called Against the Rules um which is a series of episodes that are all around the theme of the the death of the referee in America. Um, So what he means by that Mm. is the death of the person who is kind of calling your shots and making sure that people play by the rules. Checks and balances. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And there's a new season that's um, just started recently as well, which I haven't listened to yet, but the first season against the rules is, is really good. And each episode is like a different kind of character study. You know, he talks to someone who has all of these crippling uh, student debt loans um, and just the, the way that uh, they were actually eligible to have most of that waived based on the job that they had. Mm. And they, they, there was just no one who was kind of in their corner. I've heard one of those. I think I've heard that. Oh, I think they've heard them talk about that on Planet Money once, another podcast about economics. Yeah, that, that rings a bell. That story. So, um, yeah, he, it's it's kind of like I think there's like ten episodes or so, all on the theme of the death of um, the death of the referee, and he's also just got a very nice podcast voice. Mm. Um, he's like a pod daddy. Like I just want to, <laughs> <laughs> I would listen to him pod falling daddy. asleep. <laughs> I'll relate it to your <laughs> podcast, and like I would like to listen to Michael Lewis talk me to sleep. Um. And the other one I just want to throw in there is if you uh, want to watch a movie about Wall Street um, that is good, then Margin Call, um, which you have to look past the fact that it has um, Kevin Spacey in it. And I guess we're not allowed to watch Kevin Spacey anymore. But if you can watch Kevin Spacey, uh, he's, he doesn't play a huge role, and and it's just essentially about the financial crisis playing out. It's a um, kind of I, I guess drama, political thrillery mm. type thing, but just based on you know everyone kind of finding out that the um, the recession was hitting or the, right. the economic collapse was hitting. Mm-hmm. So if you want a, an interesting movie um, based on reality about Wall Street that actually has something interesting to say. Um, margin call. That's a good one. Check it out. Great Rex Callan. Great Rex Cole. Great Rex Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did you give Rex. yourself a little high five? <laughs> Did you pat myself on the back? 
Uh, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this fra- this very short franchise that we didn't get very far through. But you know, hey, that's that's. I'm so glad I don't need to watch another <laughs> one of these fucking movies. That's the new rules, baby. I like it. I like it. It's what we do. We can we pick them up and we toss them away. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the bin. <laughs> um, so join us next time as we uh, we get started, and maybe we'll finish. I don't know the Rambo franchise, starting with nineteen eighty. Does anyone know what year the first Rambo came out? I thought it was uh, 70. Ooh, seventy. Oh, seventy. No, hell. it's eighties because I picked it up on nineteen seventy two. What? Nineteen seventy two. Eighty two. No, sorry, the book was seventy two. The movie was eighty two. Right. Gotcha. It was set in the seventies, though. Yeah, right. Must um, be because he's just coming fresh back from Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Well, that's what we'll be watching next time. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for franchising with us, everyone. Until next time, I've been Jack. I've been Cal. And hello, I've been Cal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.